Hello, this is John Huary, and welcome to another episode of Community Intelligence, where we explore how leaders engage and build community. This is part one of a three-part special featuring world-renowned seismologist and disaster expert Dr. Lucy Jones, in which we discuss the intersection of scientific research and community activation. In this episode, Lucy and I met at her Caltech office to talk about her transition from research scientist to community activator and why scientific discoveries are only part of what it takes to make real change. So, Lucy, how have you come to work with communities as a research scientist? Right. Research science, PhD from MIT, is not usually set up to being engaged with the local community. And it's a, it's a long path, right? I started graduate school 43 years ago uh, as studying foreshocks and actually because I spoke Chinese, being set up to go to China and research what they were doing, it looked like they were predicting earthquakes. Each step along the way has showed me that science alone isn't enough. So I be my first summer at MIT, I went to Afghanistan and I saw people who so desperately needed modern science and had absolutely nothing. How, how long were you in Afghanistan? I was there for two months. Two months. And, uh, and what year are we talking? Let's 1976, they... so the year before the coup that brought in the Russian, most Russian-leaning government. So sort of the last normal year for Afghanistan for basically from there on out. And so you were, uh, this community of Afghanistan at that time, you're a young white woman from the U.S. going into a another country and what is that experience like? Well, 1976 in Afghanistan women were still bought and sold. Uh, the first thing that our French co colleague said when they saw me get off the plane, turned to my professor and said, what the hell did you bring her for? <laughs> like, oh, thank you. And they had to worry about me being stolen. So it, <laughs> Wait, You being stolen? Yeah, because women were property. People tried to buy me from my professor. They literally tried to buy you? Yeah, offer of two camels, double the going rate. It may, have just, it may have just been sort of like an honorary thing, so they really knew he wasn't going to accept. I'm not, not quite sure. It was pretty bizarre. Wow. Um, but I still saw people who suffered for not having modern technology. Right? Then I, I come back to MIT and I end up going to China. And it was both, again, you know, really different living standards at that point. They were just coming out of the Cultural Revolution. But also, um, the realizing that that problem of earthquake prediction wasn't just a scientific problem. They took the same information and made very different actions out of it. Because of the economic and political situation, they had a great benefit for making a warning and little downside for a false alarm. And just to clarify, there's no such thing as earthquake prediction. Right. Back then we still thought we might figure it out and they had evacuated a, a whole city before an earthquake. Well, they must know something, right? Well, when we got there, what we realized is they're in the same position we are. There are things that make earthquakes somewhat more likely, but far from tell you they're going to happen. And they were willing to act on that information because they had a much greater benefit to get from it and less downside from, that, from a false alarm. So it made me realize that the earthquake prediction problem wasn't a scientific problem. It was a social problem. How do you take uncertain information and use it to improve resilience? So, and so when I came to California, which is so after I graduated, we came and started working here in California. Back to California. Back because you, you grew up here, fourth generation 
Californian. Fourth generation Southern Californian. My great great grandparents are literally buried in the San Andreas Fault in Banning. So you California. were destined to be a seismologist. I suppose, but I had no clue until I was 21 that I would even be interested in geology. Um, yeah, I, uh, I was a physics major because physicists are snobs and they think all the other scientists, sciences are not really worth talking about. And, uh, it took meeting some geophysicists to, to get me to, to switch where I was going. So I come back to California. I start working on earthquake issues. We start talking, you know, how do we take those same insights that they can act on in China and at least get some good here? But, I, but I'm doing it in a research community. I'm in Caltech. Uh, the US Geological Survey was my employer. We had an office on, we've had an office on campus here at Caltech for, um, since the, the mid-70s. And uh, so I was doing it within a very uh, uh, dedicated research environment. But when people would come and want information, the, the Caltech scientists were like, that's not our job. And as a federal scientist, it was our job. So the scientists within the USGS ended up being the ones who were more often dealing with the public inquiry and the requests. And actually my first engagement with the public was the Southern California Earthquake Preparedness Project, which I think I was put on that in like 1986, 87. It was actually a really interesting effort about, that came out of the post-71 earthquake. How do we get businesses involved? There were mostly businesses, and then a, there was a scientist that was put on. Um, is this a state group? It was a, it was a local nonprofit that just formed, but then it got taken over by the state, by the Cal OES, and then they decided that we should really be doing multi-hazards, and it just got subsumed into all disaster response and became response rather than preparedness and sort of drift it came up it ended up coming apart and disappearing um, so I was sort of there's been a, an awareness along the way but still in an environment that says what really matters are the papers that you write um, keep on going for another decade or two and I running the office and I got put on the California Seismic Safety Commission which is was formed after the 71 earthquake to bring in the stakeholders of the earthquake problem to advise the legislature. And what I discovered is the stakeholders weren't what I was thinking. There was one seismologist, one geologist, one engineer, one structural engineer, one mechanical engineer, but then there was emergency services and utilities and local government and building officials, all these other stakeholders. And what I learned in that situation is all these stakeholders didn't know really basic facts about earthquakes that could be used to be safer. And th that, for me, that was the turning point, recognizing how the information that we as scientists just take for granted. We do all this research, we get something settled, it's now boring to us, we move on to new research, and nobody's picked up that information and used it to, to help society. So basic things of like, when the magnitude eight happens on the San Andreas, it's not gonna break one aqueduct. It's going to break them all at once because by definition, to be a magnitude eight, the fault has to be long enough that it's now gone through all of the aqueducts. And the state, most people making decisions in the state didn't know this. And to me, this is like an absolutely basic fact. It came out of my first uh, you know, class at, at MIT in 1976, and yet they weren't using it. So I had the 16 other people on the commission, some of whom listened, some didn't, what do I do? Uh, and an opportunity came up at the same time in the USGS that was trying to get more money for hazards work. 
and they asked me to create a pilot project of how we do a multidisciplinary hazards project. And, and just give us context, when is this? Oh, okay, so this is early 2000s. So I went on the commission in 2002. The hazards initiative was coming through in 2005. So I'd had a couple of years on the commission to go, how come you guys aren't using this? And they then asked me to create this project interdisciplinary. And I said, great, why are we doing it? And then they said, because we need to be interdisciplinary. That's a process, not a goal. And can I make up a goal? Sure, sure, whatever. Let's just make sure it's interdisciplinary. And these are folks in D.C. These are folks in D.C. that are looking at this about how do we, you know, muster the resources to be able to further the science. So let me just recap here. These are these are uh, career uh, scientists that are in the agency that have to respond to Congress, have to respond to the president, and they have to show that their work is being used by community. And that's is that why? They no, they didn't have to show their work was being used by community. They had to show they did what Congress authorized them to do, which is conduct research on earthquakes. That's all. Or con conduct research on earth sciences. Right. That's all. So I said, let's make this about getting it used in the community because that'll look more desirable to Congress. And I sort of, well, whatever. <laughs> and you know, so we wrote this proposal about how to demonstrate how hazard science improves a community's resilience to natural disasters. And that was my choice to do. I could have written it with any other goal, but I was already working with the head of the Water Science Center in California, a guy named Mike Schulters who also really got it about how to connect with community. The water program got 90% of its funding locally from California and only 10% out of Washington. Right? So he's somebody who had already made those connections. We wrote this proposal and we sent it in. It ended up being the one piece that was put forward out of the initiative because it was a, a multidisciplinary. It was a small amount of money that allowed us to describe a large amount of work. So that's what went forward, assuming it wouldn't make it through. You never get through on the first round in the federal government budget process. Except that a week after we submitted it, Hurricane Katrina hit. And the federal administration needed to show that they cared about people going through disasters. And wow, here's this proposal, how to help a community use science to be more resilient. We got through into the president's budget. We ended up getting through Congress the first time. And so in 2007, we started the multi-hazard demonstration project, explicitly focused on how the science should be used, could be used by the community. And it was interesting, the scientists were really worried about it. They liked it, I got in more money. But by, by defining the success as how the community uses the science, I took away control. The scientists said, we can't make sure that happens. We don't have any control how people use it. So we, shouldn't, you know, we need to have scientific goals, not this community goal. And I had to really fight to keep it in. And it was really just fear that they didn't know how to, to make sure that happened. That didn't seem like something that was in their wheelhouse. We were looking at floods and landslides and wildfires and earthquakes and tsunamis and coastal erosion. So it was a diverse group. Um, we turned to the community. We actually held community workshops with business leaders and land use planners and financial interests and said, what do you want from the science that you're not getting? And they all said, we want scenarios. We know we need to get ready for the earthquake, but we don't know what we're getting ready and, for. And what's a scenario? Because I think outside uh, of this space, uh, they may not know. That's true. A scenario is saying, not just tell me I'm going to have an earthquake, right? As seismologists, we love to say, here's the probability, and here's the fault, and all of these scientific details. What the community wanted was, what does that mean for us? 
what's going to happen to our roads? What's going to happen to our buildings? What are we going to have to mobilize afterwards? And to be honest, as I was like, oh, that sounds boring, because um, it wasn't the science I was used to. We had to bring together really diverse groups of people. It turned out to be this fascinating project, and you started discovering that there's a reason people don't use the science, because there were little pieces missing. When you actually went to use it, you need to integrate across enough sciences that if you're just picking up from the research results, it's hard to get that. So you, so you asked the target community of emergency managers, land use planners, yes. businesses, what they needed, and this is what they said. And so and you started down this path. path. Right, and it's the first time anybody in the survey had done that. So that all happens 2006. You start your project 2007, and then something monumental happens. Uh, I, I met you, John. You met me, and we started working together. No, uh, it was serendipitous, right? I mean, well, it wasn't. It wasn't. So, because we were creating this picture of what the earthquake is, and then we said we need to do something to help people use it. If we're going to do this for the public good, let's get it to the public. So there was working with the cities and the governments, but there was emergency managers. But how do we get it out farther? So we were just in the middle of discussing that, and you were working for a city councilman? I was, I was working for Councilman Greg Smith in the Northwest San Fernando Valley, sort of the epicenter of earthquakes in recent memory because right. it was the, the location of the Northridge earthquake. And, and the 71 earthquake. And the 71 earthquake. He right. remembered a conference that had been done after the 71 That's right. earthquake. That's right. He was chief of staff back then. He wanted to, to do that. And we were looking at putting together some sort of public event for releasing the, um, the report on the, the earthquake model, and we thought, let's put this together. We could have the conference be part of a week-long event. The That's first right. shakeout was a week of events designed to promote earthquake awareness in Southern California, and we thought it was a one-time thing. Right, and I remember, I remember <laughs> coming in uh, that first meeting, and it was interesting. You had yourself, some emergency managers, some other scientists, uh, some folks from the Art Center College of Design, and there was a meeting, and I walked in, and there was no agenda, and there was no sort of direction. You just knew you wanted to have this outcome of public engagement. And what shocked me was here are some, some of the smartest people I've ever met and ever had a chance to work with uh, still. And they, they didn't... We didn't know enough to make an agenda for the meeting. Right. <laughs> right. And so I, I think that was my first contribution was like, how about I facilitate the meeting? And how about I set an agenda and have us create some strategy to get to where we're trying to go? And, and we're I, like... Wow, what an idea. That sounds great. <laughs> but that was the way we first started working together. And here we are probably uh, 13 years later, and we have had uh, quite a run together of working. So here's the part of the story of working with community that I can sort of start to... Play a role in. Play a role in, yeah. So so we do the shakeout, right? And the shakeout is this big uh, event, and, and we sat down. We, we were so de dedicated. I was representing the city, you, the USGS, someone from Cal OES, someone from Caltech, someone from the Arts Center, someone from business sector, uh, someone from the Southern California Earthquake Center. And we sat down even on a Saturday. I think we had a meeting on a Saturday because we just had so much to do. Uh, and we yeah, said, right. how many people are we going to reach? We're trying to serve Southern California. It was like six, seven counties. Uh, yeah, we were doing all, yeah, so 20 million people basically. I think we were, I think we were trying to include San Diego at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, eight counties. And I remember the guy from the Southern California Earthquake Center saying, I think we should try to get 200,000 people part of the, this drill. And sort of joking, I said, I was thinking 5 million. And we all laughed and then we sort of thought about it and went, yeah. you know, that's a quarter of the population. Isn't that an appropriate goal? And so we set that, goal, we set that engagement goal that said, how do we get 
25% of this region participating. And my goodness, we spent the next, what, seven months? I think it wasn't, by the time we made the goal, we had only about seven months left, left. to engage five million people. And, and an important part of what we did then was if to, the only way to engage five million people with basically a, a less than a dozen people working on it, we had to not connect with everyone. We had to let go. Right. We had to throw it out and let not be in control. Really hard problem for scientists. <laughs> I think for a lot of people <laughs> yeah. to let go, right? And so we started this process, and I think that's where we started working together, and I came to understand your commitment to community, the idea that you could use your profile, expertise, your capital, if you will, mm -hmm. to uh, motivate others to take action. It was a really big turning point for me to make the decision to do that. So I had been sort of this classic research scientist, aware of the community all the way along, and believing that I was doing it for the common good. I wasn't willing to go off and do research projects that were just esoteric knowledge. I wanted it connected to something that could help the community. But I was starting to recognize that I might think it helped the community, it wasn't happening. And I had taken my administrative stint, one of the things scientists hate administration, but we don't trust anybody who's not a scientist. So what we do is we force the scientists to each take a turn at rotational management. I was coming off my, my stint and I was looking at going back to research and offered the opportunity to run this multi-hazard project. And I realized I was gonna do more good. I wasn't, I was, what I actually said to myself is if I went back to research, I was 50 at the time, I had, let's say I had 15 years left, I'd write 30 papers, and to be honest, five of them would be read and two would matter. And if I didn't do that, I knew who'd write those two papers because I could see young people coming up doing good work. But if I didn't come in and lead this multi-hazard project, it wasn't going to happen because there was nobody else in the science community that has had as much social um, exposure as I had and was willing to do it. And then part of, t so I decided to take this on, walk away from trying to become the next level of scientific you know, stardom and say, let's just go and, and work on this. And I... Uh, at the time, I mean, you may not have recognized me. A lot of people did. I would have people like walk up to me on the street and go, "Are you Lucy Jones?" Well, later I realized that when we'd be out at lunch, and people would approach us and say, "Can I get your autograph?" And I'm like, "Who am I with?" <laughs> <laughs> right. And, well, I say the same thing. Like, what the hell? Um, but I, w I was aware that that was there, and if we were going to try and get Shakeout publicized, I had to use that because nobody else could go call up a TV station and say, "I'd like to come and do a piece on this." And yet I could do that and some of the time get it done. Or go out to the different, especially when we decided we wanted to get five million people participating, how do we do it? Remember those trips we used to take out yep. to like Riverside and San Bernardino? I almost lost my job in the city of LA because I was spending more time outside the city <laughs> supporting this initiative. <laughs> right. Now it's on the record. <laughs> I, and you know, so we were at the, I remember we were at the San Bernardino County Supervisors Chambers. That's the one you, I was thinking yeah, of. Yeah, you and I were there with the county supervisor, and they had invited a bunch of nonprofit leaders, and we had a 90-minute session, and I think it was like webcast or, tel you know, on the, and oh. I think my bosses back in, in City Hall said, John, we happened to see you in San Bernardino. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> the greater good. It's the yeah, greater good. It's the greater good. And by doing that, we, we empowered those people to Absolutely. take the message out. 
And, and so we used, it was an explicit use of the fact that I was visible, that I had been on TV for the earthquakes to get the message out. And it was effective. Right. We ended up getting over five million. We had five and a quarter million people in that first shakeout um, registered for it through, we set up websites so people could register because there's no way we're going to talk to five million people. Right. Um, and, but it also, celebrity feeds on itself. I don't know if you remember the press conference the day before that shakeout, it, at your conference. So oh, you yeah. put on that oh, big yeah, conference, yeah. Yeah. and there's like 27 TV cameras, and yeah. I don't know how many reporters. There were 100,000 reports on, like through Google News. or te- There were 10,000 separate news reports on the first shakeout. And it was like, what have we done? <laughs> right. And actually, I went to a conference many years later uh, at the National Storm Center in, in Norman, Oklahoma, or okay. the whatever center is there. And... They were talking about how do we get storm information. We know this information about hurricanes, mm-hmm. about tornadoes. How do we get that to the people? And at the, the closing plenary, the, uh, a meteorologist stood up and said, we need to look at what the earthquake people did at ShakeOut and make that something we can do for storms. And it was, it was probably eight years later, and it wasn't, or seven years later, and it wasn't planted it just had become in the in the disaster and scientific community saying that this there's a different way that you can communicate and engage the public and that was something that you created lucy and i think it's it's a testament with, to your work yeah and i and with you i mean i i wouldn't have done it i mean as a scientist i didn't have that information how communities work how do you talk to them i mean i i i'm better than some scientists but i still live in my every, every one of us lives in our own world with our own communication norms and sort of communication culture that goes with whatever work you do. And the science communication culture is very different from how you engage in a community. And I had the desire to engage with the community because I could see the good that could be done. But I didn't know how to, I didn't know who to call. I didn't know to make a call. I, I, right? I would tend to I'd be passive and wait for it to come. And what you brought to this was an understanding of how you pull people in and create excitement and get people wanting to be part of this. Because you can't force anything on people. They've got to make the desire. You've got to entice them in. And that's what I feel like you, did, you have done is help. Why, why should people even want to think about earthquakes? You helped us make it fun enough that people were willing to listen and, and found that place between what we were doing, what we wanted, and what goes on in the community. Thanks for listening to Community Intelligence. And for more information on this and other episodes, visit our website at stratoscope.com. At Stratoscope, we provide community intelligence services to businesses, nonprofits, and government agencies. Let us know how we can help you.